tell you, quarterbacks, you get all the good-looking <laughs> women. I, it's a what a beautiful woman. Wow, he's AJ's doing. Whoa. Welcome to the Pipeline Award-winning podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Gibbs. You can find me on Twitter at pipeline underscore. You can find me coming through your speakers right now. Well, it's bowl season. We got college football. We got college basketball, of course. We got. Christmas and New Year's coming up. We're going to try and squeeze these pods in wherever we can because we know you guys love the content. But you know who I got to bring in? KSD from at Pregame Empire. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. KSD, how are we doing? Jason, it's, it's Tuesday night. It's around 9.30, Tuesday, December 20th. I was hoping, um, you know, we, we've ragged on them all season so far. I was hoping we'd get to talk about a three-game Louisville basketball winning streak. Unfortunately, they lost tonight to Lipscomb to end their two-game winning streak. But Louisville fans never fear. I am going to be nice to you. I'm going to talk about your second favorite subject besides Louisville basketball, and that is talking bad about Kentucky basketball. Um, Jason, Kentucky lost on Saturday to UCLA in the CBS Sports Classic, and I have a question for you. In Kentucky's last 17 games against ranked opponents, now this is any ranked opponent, this is not just, you know, conference or non-conference, top 10, whatever, this is last 17 games against any ranked team, what what is their record? Okay, so 17 games, ranked teams, and it doesn't have to be conference. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say nine and eight. Oh, uh, that's uh, that, that's way too many wins. You you gave them twice as many wins as they actually have in that stretch. They are four and thirteen in their last oh. seventeen games against ranked competition. And uh, yeah, I think it's reasonable that the Kentucky fan base wants John Calipari to be fired, even though he's got a lifetime contract. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> Welcome, Kentucky fans. Sit sit down, have a, have a beer. You know, it's funny because. So many, uh, I've seen so many rants about it. And for the most part, I mean, think about even last year. I know ignore, this is a big ignore. Don't get me wrong. Ignore them losing to St. Peter's in the first round. They were still a two seed. I mean, yes, they got beat by a 15 seed and it was embarrassing. But they they were a two seed. You got to imagine if they get past St. Peter's. I I know that's almost oxymoronic. (laughs) But let's say everything else on the top half of the bracket had played out. They played UNC, which eventually went to the Final Four and obviously the finals. Yeah, they, they played UNC earlier that year. Didn't they win by like a thousand? I mean, it was it was like yeah. a, a monster blowout. So I, <laughs> I actually pre-tournament thought, hey man, Kentucky could make a little run. Of course they didn't, and, and we'll digress. But it's not like I know they're four. Would you say four and thirteen? It's not like yeah. they're, they're coming in as twelfth seeds or, or thirteen seeds yeah. or something. So they're still having good years. But I guess just when it's, it's be like Alabama in football, you know, them going exactly. eight and four, or seven and six, or something. But not not to not to uh, to to talk to you know X's and O's like uh, about about the Kentucky situation. But I mean, Calipari has sort of had the same problem ever since he's been there. And it used to be more geared towards the one-and-done recruiting, but now it's geared towards both his freshman recruiting and his transfer recruiting. And that's that he he just recruits names and not fits. Like, there's nobody on this team that really fits around Oscar Sheepway. Like, obviously, he's the guy you play through. He's National Player of the Year. But, like, I mean, there's just not a whole lot. That, like, the easiest, easiest way to play around him is just surrounded with four shooters, and they just don't have that. They have, like, maybe one or two guys you really trust for three. So, I don't know. I mean, again, not to get too too into the X's and O's. That's not the point of this show. But Calipari is just terrible at identifying guys that really fit into what he has from a roster makeup standpoint. 
Yeah, I, I agree. It's, I think when you look at teams of his that have had success, it's, I don't want to say luck, but it's like the pieces kind of were just there and they yeah, exactly. fit together as opposed to him going out and making them fit. A, a team like Kentucky, a blue blood like Kentucky with a guy like Oscar Sheway should not be struggling like this. They should be humming. They should be top of the SEC and looking at a, a number one seed. But to your point, we're not going to we're not going to get quite into bracketology in December quite yet. <laughs> let's actually, you know, let's open up with, we, we talked about some bowl games last week. And of course you astutely pointed out how we were having the inaugural Fenway bowl for the third straight year, <laughs> the Wasabi, I'm sorry, the Wasabi Fenway bowl, not to be confused. Yeah, I, I, I did finally figure out what that actually is. It's like some sort of cloud storage system. <laughs> so like what I tell you, when I, when I hear, when I hear Wasabi, I definitely think cloud storage. <laughs> yes. So perfect. Whoever chose their, their name and logo. Perfect. Uh, it's exact. It drums up cloud storage. And I'm using air quotes when I say cloud storage, of course, because we, we know each of these bowls is somehow related to money laundering. I don't care what you say. The There's a few bowls we can pick from GSD, but I kind of wanted to actually start out there with the Fenway Bowl. Okay. Louisville, Dion Branch, hats off to him, former Louisville Cardinal, former New England Patriot, former Super Bowl MVP, I believe, Dion Branch. Coach, you know, he was interim coach, coaches uh, the cards over Cincinnati in the thrice inaugural Fenway Bowl. Here's a stat that I, I don't know if you, you caught this. Louisville had four turnovers, four. Cincinnati only had two. Not that that's nothing, but Louisville completely dominated this game. I don't think I've ever seen a team get four turnovers, but just be totally out of it. Never at one point threatening the game. It was it was kind of a mind blow. I don't know if you if you caught the whole game, KSD, but yeah, I I mean I was kind of watching bits and pieces of this one. Um, and the, the one thing I did notice just watching live, well, I guess there's a, a few things, but the one big thing is like every time Cincinnati had the ball, there was pressure on the quarterback. Like there was not like, and it wasn't like Louisville was just sending like, you know, like seven, eight guys, like every play, like they weren't just, you know, doing the, um, the, 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 the Brian Van Gorder emotional blitz, but um, like every single play there was pressure on the quarterback. And I mean, I don't know, like, the, the other big observation I had is Scott Satterfield spent the entire week like talking with like, you know, the times he was talking about this game, he was like, I, you know, I don't want to be involved. Like, you know, there's, there's just too much on both sides. I'm not going to be involved. And in like the second or third quarter, he does a TV hit like during, like with the announcers, like on the game, after spending the whole week, be like, I'm staying, I'm staying out of it. I'm not going to be involved. I promise this is, you know, this is not going to make it about me kind of thing. So, uh, so yeah, those are those are my two big observations for the game, and also shout out the Finley Bowl for finally getting the, the inaugural one under their belt. True, it was funny. It was like Louisville would throw an interception, and Cincinnati would go sack, sack, you know, <laughs> screen pass for two yards punt. You know, it, it was it was wild. It was a it, it was definitely a, a head scratching game as far as if you just looked at the stats, you, you probably couldn't figure out how they they lost by seventeen. And honestly. Well, I mean, it, it, it felt way worse than 17. Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, it felt way worse. It really did. It, I mean, 17, I don't know if you gave Cincinnati 12 quarters, 16 quarters, if they could come up with 24 points <laughs> the way they were going. But definitely a, a fun game to watch. All these bowl games, we, we love all of them, no matter how weird, wild, and wacky. Got a, another one that happened on Saturday, and, and I know you wanted to talk about this, KSD, is Oregon State versus 
Florida, uh-huh. but there's an asterisk. Florida did not care about this bowl. We know that that's well, of course. in the bylaws of college football. If an SEC team uh-huh. loses, they do not care about the game. It's the only it's the only time where it doesn't mean more. <laughs> it means more yeah, unless I mean, it's a bowl you don't care about. <laughs> so, um, obviously, everybody who listens to this show knows the specific play we're going to talk about because if, if you're listening to this, you've seen it on Twitter. I don't even know what the kid's name is. I'm not going to say it. I don't want to call him out. I don't want to be that guy. But the the uh, the defensive end for Florida who, like, take, like basically as soon as the ball is snapped, stands straight up and tapes, like, two steps towards the, the tackle and just kind of sticks his arm out like, yeah, whatever. And then that, that, That's like the play of bowl season for me. That already will not be topped. That was incredible. Just beautiful, beautiful display of it, – it, it was a great – the SEC office should should give that man a check to, to really truly <laughs> emphasize the, yeah, we don't care. Like, that, that's why we lost by 30 points. We, we do not care about this game. I've never seen it epitomized more by an SEC player than, than that moment. So, the, you know, that, that, that guy should, uh, should get some special kudos from the league for that. But um, the one thing, too, <laughs> the other thing I want to point out is that Billy Napier kicked a sad field goal in this game. Because um, I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. But if I recall correctly, it was thirty to nothing when Florida kicked the field goal. Is that right? I, I do believe it was. I know it was. I know it was in the fourth <laughs> quarter. It was either twenty-three to nothing or thirty to nothing. Yeah, we'll add that to the sad field goal fame. You know, um, the most, the most famous one that I can recall was Ole Miss kicking the sad field goal down forty-two to nothing against TCU in the the Peach Bowl of the year. TCU was snubbed from the playoffs and had a, had a point to prove. Also, uh, Stanford kind of did it this year. The yeah, big game I was going to bring up Stanford, yeah. <laughs> but but see, that one feels different because that one feels like David Shaw being like, "No, this is what we're here to do." Like we're go- like, and it's also like it was like a sixty-yard field goal. Too. It was like, "No, nah, man, we're gonna give we're we're giving the kickers time to shine." Like that one felt just the the vibes around that way different than the you know down by thirty sad field. Well, they're only down by like ten. But um, but yeah, Florida in this game already produced the most we don't care moment of bull season and gave us our first sad field goal of bull season well yeah you know let's let's for a second i know we're talking about bowl season but let's talk about that stanford play i don't know if we ever actually talked about that that might have been while when i had the bubonic plague i'm not sure but a couple things so (laughs) the stanford kicker kicks a 60 yard 61 yarder they barely celebrate because the game was over the only thing that would have made it hilarious would have been if that caused stanford to cover and <laughs> well, didn't, like, didn't kick Cal a fans meaningless storm the field, field goal? too? <laughs> yeah. like, yes, I swear. Like, yeah, so yeah, so like Cal stormed the field after a field goal was made against them on the last play. Like, I don't. I mean, I'm just gonna guess that's never happened in college. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. You're right. That has to be a first in college football <laughs> history. Yeah, yeah, the away team hits a field goal at the buzzer, and the home team storms the field because they won. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, but yeah, back to the back to your play, your play of the year, play of the year, maybe pipey related or, or nominated I mean, it, play it, of the year. It, it, it could it could be in the conversation. Okay. Well, so if we think back a couple years ago, remember what we we always think of when we we're making fun of Florida, where the two guys blocking themselves. It yes. was like not top ten play of the year or, or like play of the decade or whatever. This yeah. didn't quite approach that because, but. Effort-wise, the, at least the guys blocking each other were really trying to block, albeit they're blocking the wrong <laughs> team. <laughs> the, the attempt was there, yes. <laughs> but it, it was funny. Just the – you know what it reminded me of? I, I don't know if I've ever brought this up. Do you remember um, – oh, geez, this is probably 
in the mid 2000s or, two, or 2010, maybe somewhere around there. Um, there was Albert Hainsworth. I think he was playing for the Redskins. I think okay. he was playing the Eagles and he goes down on the ground and I'm not exaggerating. He literally just lays there. He's laying on the ground. <laughs> the plays just run the, the quarterbacks running back and forth, or the running backs running back and forth. And he's almost like he's, you know, watching a movie, you know, he, he all but kicks his legs up behind him. You know? <laughs> this kind of reminded me of that like just a total, total non-effort and just did not give a, you know, F if you will. Um, but it, <laughs> It, it, it was it was embarrassing but luckily like I said Florida didn't care about this game so well Florida's also given us some unique kind of weird like weird moments in bad bowl games like you know like I mean about half the time Florida's in a good bowl game about half the time they're in a bad one right like but um because if you recall too there was I think this was like seven or eight years ago now the Birmingham Bowl against ECU where the guy like shat his pants and like oh, yeah. like they're, they're, <laughs> They were wearing. They were. That was another like pre-Christmas bowl game, and they're wearing the white pants. So mm-hmm. when, yeah, when so what I'm saying is when when Florida's in like the really bad bowl games, that's when the magic happens. <laughs> Must watch TV. Florida bad bowl games. Yes. If we look outside of bowl games, though, I, actually, are we gonna? There might be one. You know what? There was one. There was one more stat though. So there's lots of bowl games we could talk about. Again, this could be a a 10 hour pod if we broke everything down. But uh, one thing I wanted to mention is so in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, no sponsor, right? Uh-huh. Unless unless the town of Myrtle Beach is laundering money, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll check up I said, on that. I said I said yesterday that they didn't even change the midfield logo, so I think that just makes Coastal the sponsor. <laughs> but. So Marshall plays UConn. Marshall doubles up UConn, twenty-eight to fourteen. And now this wasn't this wasn't quite as stark as the four turnovers and totally dominating the game. But Marshall did have a hundred and twelve penalty yards. I mean, that's more than a football field for a game in which you basically dominated. It was pretty pretty wild to be that undisciplined and still come out on top easily. That's uh, that's just getting your money's worth right there. Last game of the season, last chance to you know to hit somebody that's not your teammate for like ten months or whatever. <laughs> that's just that's just getting your money's worth. That that that's going out the right way. I, I appreciate that. Also, I know I know you saw this, Jason, because you tweeted about it. But uh, our uh, our sad UConn fourth quarter guy made it on ESPN again at this game. I know what a what a hero. Honestly, he uh, <laughs> he really is rocketing up the charts. And when we have the uh, the pipes in our end of the year awards, when we give them out in, in January, he is I don't know. It's going to be tough to unseat him as fan of the year, but there's still time. So don't give well, up. What's, what's what's funny to me about this guy is like so every time he's made it on TV, it's when UConn's just getting like destroyed by somebody. I mean, they weren't getting beat as badly yesterday as they have been some of the other times he's made on TV. But when you think about it, this might be like if this guy's a lifelong UConn fan, this could shape up to be like one of the best sports years of his life because like UConn made a bowl game. Like let, let me repeat myself. UConn made a UConn made a bowl game. And the basketball team right now is number two in the country and looking like a you know legit national championship threat. Like, yes, I know they've won four national championships in basketball, but like, you know, that's not obviously that's not like Kentucky, North Carolina, UCLA type level. But so like 
that he might get the rare combination of UConn football makes the bowl and the basketball team, you know, makes a turn a final four national championship type run. And yet and, and everything he's going to be known for is just being sad. <laughs> I, I would wonder when UConn a made the final four and B made a bowl game. I, I can't imagine there's lots of those years overlapping. Yeah, now I, we're yeah, still far I, away from the final four, but, to your point, yes, they're looking like a Final Four team. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like they're they're a team that looks like they could cut the nets down. The football team had their best year probably since the Fiesta Bowl year. I mean, I don't think that's an exaggeration. And and yet this guy this guy will only be remembered for looking sad. <laughs> but at least again, he's the Pipeline Award winning podcast <laughs> hero uh, of the of the bowl season so far Can, for for fan of the year. Yeah. I want to make a note about the New Mexico Bowl real quick. Uh, this was BYU against SMU. First of all, just, just from the game standpoint, it was maybe the best game so far of the bowl season. BYU was up 14 late. SMU scores two touchdowns, goes for two in the win, draws up a terrible um, quarterback draw for Tanner Mordecai. That was just nowhere close on the two-point conversion. But our, our good friend and, and, and um, friend of the program, Jim Weber, made a note to say that BYU as part of their traveling party for the game was bringing 25 <laughs> players wives to, uh, to New Mexico for this. Um, I don't know what the record is. I obviously, I know BYU has to have it at some point, but that's, that feel like it's gotta be touching close to touching their own record for most, uh, most wives at, at a, in a single college football game. I think you probably couldn't get 25 wives from the rest of the teams involved. In the <laughs> <whole> season. <laughs> Maybe not in all of, football whether you're in a bowl or not just but yes just, a, a just, wait, full... just wait till philip rivers kids are playing for nc state then you might, you <laughs> might get close enough each of them has nine other kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but yeah i just uh feel i feel like we uh we couldn't we couldn't talk about bowl season without without noting that um I want let's step off the field, Jason. You started to tease this a second ago, and I know where you want to go with this because um, there's there's a few off the field things that had had to happen uh, this week that we uh, that we need to talk about. And I want to start with uh, with the, some early contenders for the 2023 All Name Team. Um, congratulations to FIU on the first ever like 25 star recruit by picking up tight end Rowdy Beers. <laughs> um, this man is going to set some NIL records. Like I'm just going to say it right now. Like his Jersey is going to be the best selling Jersey in college football history. FIU kids are going to buy that up. Um, once he turns, I mean, I'm sure he can't leave. I'm not sure. I know he can't legally advertise for beer until he turns 21, but like all the light beers are going to be all over him for commercials. Once he turns 21, this man is going to be rolling in it by the time he's done playing football for FIU. And I don't care how many snaps he ever plays. It was amazing. It was one of those names when you see there's always like the all name team or whatever. This really seems like, okay, we did create a player on NCAA 14. <laughs> hey, what if we named him Rowdy Beers? You know, <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Okay, around. You know? This I is mean, his real name. <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings was already tweeting at him yesterday and being like, hey, buddy, what's up? Like, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I was tweeting about two. Like, I mean, like, Somebody like like a Hooters or a Buffalo Wild Wings, like some just stupid chain sports bar is going to get him to do a hilarious commercial. Like it's like the, this. I, I'm I'm as excited about him as I am for anybody in college football. Yes, uh, next year just because I know the uh, the potential for for advertising deals. Like this guy, if, if he really wants to, this guy can make that Dakota's Crawford um, 
HVAC Ooh. commercial. Like he 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 could he could, he could kill, he could kill those right. numbers. Yeah, he could make that look like nothing. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I but wonder if he's related other, to other, Dana though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because well, Dana should have gotten to go to Cincinnati because didn't he do like the whole thing where like now he's like a lifelong Cincy fan oh, or yeah. something? So <laughs> he's got he's got to get him to hit the transfer portal, get up to Cincinnati. Um, but the the other guy, the other recruit who who announced a commitment within 24 hours of our boy Rowdy Beers, this guy's name is even more like sounds more just like no, there's just no way that that's like. And I get like yeah, it's probably a nickname. I haven't actually looked it up. I don't really care. But like even as a nickname, it's like okay, there's just no way. And that's a uh, Central Arkansas's own dude person. Um, <laughs> this just sounds like this sounds like like back when you know the Nintendo first made the Wii and everybody was making their like you know, little Mies and stuff. Like this sounds like the name when you like open up like a twelve year old's Wii. Like he named like a me dude person, and that's the guy he plays with. Exactly. It it was this one was almost just as hard. I mean, in, in a different way. Uh, it's hard to believe as rowdy beers dude person it, it really <laughs> sounds kind of like um what is it my brain go to do to dude perfect yeah, yeah it, it, you're right it, it does immediately so he needs to get an nil deal with uh dude perfect yeah he really does it makes me think of um you know all this uh, of course ai is exploding or in the chat gpt or whatever it's like it, i feel like it was the first question they ever asked chat gpt Name a name a <laughs> guy. What about dude person? My, fr- you know? <laughs> my friend, dude person. <laughs> yeah, like like I, I want to. So I I want to know like because I'm you know obviously I'm assuming like you know he, he was given the nickname dude and that's where he just goes by at some point. At what point in life was this nickname ascribed to him? Like how old was he was when he was starting to be called dude? Like was he? Because like I feel like you know like. When you're given a nickname like that, it's pretty young. You know, it's by the time you're probably around like five or six, you're, you're starting to go by whatever that name is. That feels pretty young to have the nickname of dude. You know, like like I feel like that's a nick like dude person is a nickname where your friends go, oh, your last name is person. Let's just call you dude. Like I feel like he would have to be like ten or twelve by the time this came around. Yeah, you, I agree with you. You know, because think about guys that are that kind of go by their nicknames. Like, um, what's the guy from uh, Alabama? Kool Aid. Yeah, Kool Aid. Like yeah. I'm sure I. What he, he was given that when he was like five, right? Like, yeah, but that's that's like kind of understandable. Oh, he must have liked Kool Aid or you know whatever. This, I think his grandmother gave uh, him that nickname Kool Aid or whatever. Yeah, I don't think this guy's grandmother gave him the nickname of Dude. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, that's, maybe that's, I'm that's wrong. My point. <laughs> That's my point. Like, it feels like his friends were like, oh, your last name's person. Let's call you dude. And like, this probably happened when he was like 17. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, this, yeah I, started, I started going by dude last year. Like, you know, like, like I don't, I mean, like, it's, I, I don't know. Like, I, I want, I, that's my one curiosity with this guy is at what point in life did he start going by dude? You know what? I wonder and, if we could. I wonder if we could have him on the show. We and just just talk to him for five solid minutes up, about his name. <laughs> reach out to dude person and be like, "Hey, man, we really just like I don't care what you do on the field. We really just we need to talk about the name." <laughs> but speaking of speaking of names, there's another um, another name I want to mention. I'd be remiss if we didn't mention this. And this this comes from college football. F U T F B O L, not football. Um, just in, in the same week where we had Rowdy Beers in the news and Dude Person in the news, Toledo hired a women's soccer coach named Mark Batman. Um, <laughs> I, I I didn't even know Batman was like a, a, a surname. family name. Like, yeah, like 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Mark Batman of the, you know, of of the Pawtucket Batmans, like, you know, like, like, you know, so, like, I, I, he had to walk off of some sort of country club, right? Like, I mean, there's like, uh, or either either that or some sort of like, you know, sewer like pipeline business or something. I, I don't know. Like, what? There's one. There's two ends of the spectrum here, and he's not in the middle. So, <laughs> I, I need to, I need to know the the backstory of Mark Batman, and I need to know the the history of the family name. Do you remember? It was a meme. I mean, it was a few years ago, but there was um, there was somewhere in Asia. I want to say like uh, the Philippines or or somewhere somewhere like that. And I think it. I I'm, I could be screwing these details up, so I don't want to hear it from people. I don't want DMs, angry DMs, <laughs> if I screw these up. But there, I think it was a, a taxi driver or or something like some sort of thing where you you had to have like a public kind of. Uh, identification shown and the guy's name was batman ben superman have you ever seen have no. you ever seen that it was like i i am, I am not familiar uh, i'll have to i'll post i'll post a picture of it and uh tomorrow when when i uh, post the link for the pod but it was uh it was batman and that was spelled the same and then ben b-i-n <laughs> and then superman but it was s-u-p-a-r-m-a-n allegedly that was this guy's name now i don't know whether he just like you know he was interacting with american tourists or whatever but that's the only that's the only other batman that can top top your 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 toledo coach batman mark batman well well now we need mark batman to be clark batman so he could be combination clark kent and batman like mark's close enough like you know we're, we're, we're almost getting there with mark batman but we need to be clark batman that's true. I think we're going to call him that just in case we, we can't take any. <laughs> I can tell you this more attention to Toledo women's soccer than I ever would have in any other case, because just because I know that they're being coached by Bat by Batman. <laughs> like, oh, I, do, I, can't, I can't do a good Batman impersonation. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not Christian Bale or whoever you know played various iterations. But um, but yeah, so now we need we need like. If, if you're in the Mac, just find like like hire like Joker Phillips as a women's soccer coach just because like just so we have Batman v Joker like oh that would have um, been good we, we, like I, I don't I, I'm sure Joker Phillips knows nothing about soccer like and he, he's coaching um he's at like I think he's at NC State right now yeah. um but yeah hire him as soccer like if if you're like Kent State fire your women's soccer coach and hire Joker Phillips just for the meme well thinking about Batman thinking about Superman thinking about kind of immortal superheroes that maybe you can't kill you can't get rid of how about a dark horse Heisman candidate KSD oh. coming back your guy your boy he's having he's having fun he's having fun <laughs> We told, we already talked about we talked about it looks good in the new offense. <laughs> Bo Nix coming is back funny. to Oregon. It is it is funny too because they will have a new offense since Kenny Dillingham took the Arizona State job. So like the meme perfectly works when everybody starts tweeting it in August. <laughs> it totally plays. And the funny thing is, is he could be throwing to a, I don't I, I'm not I'm not sure about this this guy's age exactly, but tight end Cam McCormick. I don't know if you saw this. <laughs> was granted yet another year of eligibility. This will be his ninth year of college football. I don't know how we, we got to see if, if Bo Nix throws a pass to Cam McCormick, will this be the saw- oldest, the oldest combination pass in college football history? And I know, now I know our guy, Austin, what's that? Austin Ani, uh, yeah, from North, North Texas. Texas. He was 29. So if he threw it to an so upperclassman, that's going to be tough to, 
tough to beat, but yeah, I mean, I feel like Brandon Whedon, the Justin Blackman's got to be in that conversation as well. Cause like what Brandon Whedon, like 28 when he was playing, yeah. you know, his last year at Oklahoma state. So like, he's got to be in the conversation as well. Now, the one thing I will say for our guy, Cam McCormick, cause I don't think he's officially decided that he's coming back, but he does have the, the option for the ninth year. Now, Cam McCormick should come back. Cam McCormick is a hero. Now, here's why I say this. So I, I graduated college in 20, in May of 2021. So that's a year and a half ago at this point. So I'm, I'm very, you know, freshly, still freshly removed from living the college life. Now, if you told me when I was in school that I could double my college years, you know, in college levels of responsibility and things in my college life and add one year to it, I would take that in a heartbeat. Like I, I, I like there, there is no way you could get me to turn that down. This man is a hero. This man gets to live out every college kid's dream of never having to actually leave college and have real responsibilities. So I read, read the article. It says he, he, he already has gotten his, his bachelor's. Obviously he's gotten a master's degree. It said, he's like, yeah, I might take some like, you know, bowling classes or, you know, maybe do some, you know, sort of online something just to fulfill the academic requirement, like basically just do some bullshit class and then come back. So this guy is my hero. This guy is living the life I want. Never have real life responsibilities, just be in college forever. hundred times out of a hundred, I think we'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. This guy would be crazy not to take to take his extra year. All right, so it is December, so we do need to, to touch on some basketball things as well. This, uh, this past Saturday was Easily the best b- basketball Saturday we've had so far. About to move into January, where every Saturday will be like that. But let, let's let's work backwards, Jason. Um, it's Tuesday, December twentieth. There's some things that have happened today that we need to touch on, um, and then we'll, we'll work back to some things that happened on Saturday. So first, um, you know, we, we talked about Louisville bre- breaking hot off the press here. Duke lost to Wake Forest. That's really all that needs to be said about that. Nothing major happened there. The SEC did something impressive today, and and the night continued to get even more impressive. But the SEC lost two bye games before 5 p.m. Eastern time on a Tuesday. I have never seen this happen. Like, Ole Miss lost at home to Northern Alabama, and Texas A&M lost at home to Wofford. Both, literally, both games were over before the workday was done. So, kudos to the SEC for trying to bury that. Uh, you know, it's kind of like news dump it almost. Also, Mississippi State lost to Drake shortly after. So. Three, uh, three interesting losses for the SEC today. But, um, yeah, uh, we might even have a conversation about Buzz Williams here soon. Maybe he's going to take some of the heat off Jimbo. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But the, the A&M is off to a tough start. A&M, not the banner year for athletics, <laughs> despite uh, I, having spent $1 billion on coaches. <laughs> well, I do I do want to see how Buzz Williams, you know, campaigns for that NIT bid at the end of the season instead of campaigning for that NCAA tournament bid like he did last year at the SEC tournament. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, what he, what he talks about there. But that was just to touch on today. Really what we need to talk about is, is some things from Saturday. So, um, you know, again, there was – Saturday was, was a full slate. We had, the you know, Brandon Miller and Drew Timmy going shot for shot in the Gonzaga-Alabama game. Carolina-Ohio State was an instant classic. UCLA beats Kentucky. We already talked about that. Tennessee-Arizona was, was a fun one as well. Virginia and Houston was the game of the day on paper, but Houston kind of, you know, controlled the game there. But few 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 moments we want we want to talk about. And I want to start with with Carolina, Ohio State in the CBS Sports Classic. So, you know, we know how the game goes. Pete Nance sends the game to overtime. Carolina eventually wins in overtime after a big second half comeback. Now, Jason, um, the very end of this, uh, the very end of overtime here. So I think there was about 
seven seconds left at this point. Carolina gets a stop. R.J. Davis gets fouled. He hits two free throws to put Carolina up by five and basically, you know, essentially end the game. Mm-hmm. So on the second free throw, somehow the ball kind of kicks out. Like, it was, I don't remember exactly how, like, you know, it gets kind of tangled up with somebody, whatever. It kicks out, kind of rolling towards the three-point line. About free throw line extended. So on the wing, the ref goes and picks it up and, you know, is, is throwing it back to the Ohio State inbounder to inbound the ball and go down the court. I don't know what happened on this toss. I don't know if you noticed this, but I don't know what happened on this toss, but he absolutely just yeets it into the bottom of the rim and it just bounces <laughs> out towards half court. It was like, it was such like an insult to injury mode because like Ohio State, like, you know, you're going to lose. You're going to go down and try to you know, hit a three and see what happens. But it's like, oh, one second, let's just drag this down even further. I have never seen a ref miss that badly on a little toss back to the inbound before. It just, just nails it straight off the bottom of the rim. Yeah, and you know when it hits, oftentimes when whether it be normally it's a, a some sort of pass, but I guess some shots are are like that. It hits at just the right angle where it just fires. You know what I mean? Like fires yeah, off. Yes. The rim, not the, the, there's no softness about it. It always, especially if it's a shot, it always makes you look like you're absolutely terrible at basketball. <laughs> but, well, and and that and that's what happened here. And it wasn't like the ref threw it particularly hard either. He just kind of lightly tossed it, but it just, yeah, you're right. It just hit that exact right angle on the rim to where it just rocketed back towards half court. And you had to run over and pick it up and then roll it back. <laughs> it, it looked hilarious, especially just with the timing too. It was like the very end of the game too. Like, the only way it would have been funnier is if, like, that possession would have actually, you know, mattered towards tying or winning the game. Like, it really didn't. It was five-point game with, like, five seconds left. But, right. Yeah, that was that was, um, that was one weird thing that happened on Saturday. Uh, another thing we need to talk about um, from, from Saturday's basketball is the end of Tennessee, Arizona. Um, this game was kind of chip, chippy throughout, and there were a few – things that that happened here but i want to start in the second half um there's about five-ish minutes left and arizona has just taken a double digit lead i think courtney ramey hits a three and kirk Creesa, arizona point guard you know everybody kind of knows him as the annoying little white guy where you know where's the headband he wears number 25 it says kerr on the back of his jersey like it's steve kerr and not actually his last name you know like he's kind of he's kind of you know the kind of guy where everybody you, know, you love him if he's on your team you hate him if he's not kind of you right, know kind of do exactly um so Ramey hits this three and he goes like taking off down the baseline, um, which results in a technical foul, which basically keeps t- like brings Tennessee back. Like like the, the game was basically over. Like the three you know, makes a double digit game. Tennessee has no momentum. They end up coming back a little bit. Now you know it, it continues like Tennessee thinks they, they should get some foul calls late in the game. They don't you know whatever. But at, there, there was some we had some we had some handshake shenanigans as well. There was you know, a few elbow grabs. You know kind of a coach k like you know lecture little kind of mini lecture going on but then <laughs> like right after the handshake line it, it, espn cuts to a shot of of umar balo there's a big man just throwing double birds at the tennessee team <laughs> like like you see you see like the handshake you know it's showing like all right you know thank you we have we had a great game here in tucson you know thanks for watching kind of kind of thing and then it cuts to umar balo just full extension double birds <laughs> towards the Tennessee tunnel. It was incredible. And um, I don't think I've ever seen that on a basketball court before, like especially on a broadcast like that in a game that big. Yeah, I think the only thing probably comes close to it, and it wasn't in a basketball court, was when Eli Manning did it on the Manning cast because they thought <laughs> somehow they could uh, blur out live TV. So <laughs> maybe, maybe well, Baller thought the same thing. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, and I appreciate Kirk Risa kind of picking up where he left off last year because um, there I, I was a game. I think it was when they beat. I think it was a, a UCLA. Or, yeah, I think it was a UCLA game. At UCLA at Arizona last year, and Arizona kind of hangs on late to win and get a defensive stop to win. And Kirk Carissa did something I've also never seen before in a college basketball game. Like he gets, they get the stop, he gets the rebound, like basically on the baseline, and just turns and fires the ball like in as far as he can into the crowd. Do you remember this? Do you yeah, yeah, yeah. This? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I had never seen that before until last year. Until like he, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see how he continues to one up himself this year with all the stupid shenanigans he does because. I mean, I, I don't – I mean, obviously, Tommy Lloyd does not enjoy any of this, but that's just kind of who he is, and you have to live with it because it's you know, just his personality and how he makes plays on the court. But, man, uh, I'm glad to see that, like, that will continue throughout this season, even in the big games like uh, like Saturday. So, so thank you, Kirk Risa, for, uh, for for doing that. Um, yesterday – I guess that this is not yesterday at this point, though. That was, that was Sunday. Sunday night, we had the all-important uh, Patino Bowl. We had, uh, we had Rick Patino – Taking his Iona Gales out to New Mexico to, to play uh, to play son Richard and the undefeated New Mexico Lobos. Richard Richard became the first basketball coach in like 50 years to beat his dad or something like that. So that was a uh, that was cool. Also, New Mexico is kind of good and, and got some uh, they got some NBA, NBA players' sons on the team. Eddie House's son Jalen's our leading scorer. Jamal Mashburn Jr. also on the New Mexico Lobos. So fun uh, fun nostalgia group there. Um, out uh out in the in the middle of the desert for for richard uh little 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 dicky p yeah i think of uh, i think since the aforementioned mississippi state lost today that only leaves three undefeated teams right purdue yukon and new mexico right yes i think yeah i think you're right yeah because now now that mississippi state's out yeah it's just it's just uh it's just those three and and yeah and yukon yukon won tonight they beat georgetown although that game was like way closer than it should have been and purdue Purdue survived some scares lately because they had the the overtime game against Nebraska and then the uh, the close one against Davidson on Saturday, whereas the Fletcher and Foster lawyer playing against each other. But yeah, New Mexico's one. Of the, New Mexico's schedule is like way worse than, than Purdue and Utah's to this point. But yeah, count it undefeated. And I mean, it's good to see New Mexico being good again. You know, they've had they had that that run, um, you know, around kind of 2008, 9, 10 ish, where they were, you know, had a couple three seeds in the NCAA tournament and stuff like that. So they've had some some good teams late, you know, this this century. It's nice to see them uh, see them back in the fold. Um, there is one thing I want to go back a couple weeks because just because of our being off, we didn't get to talk about this. From so this was December 10th. So this was almost 10 days ago, I guess 10 days ago at this point. But we never talked about the dog running onto the court at George Washington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that. I, you know, I think that has to be what, maybe the second weirdest animal ever to run on <laughs> run on a court because I don't know if you remember this. Um, it was a Spurs game years ago. Yeah, I, I knew this is what you were gonna say. And the bat flew on the court, <laughs> and I think. Didn't Manu Ginobili like, just like punch yeah, like it or something? <laughs> but, yeah, like he, yeah. Well, I remember, um, I, I, yeah, just, just, just for for the sake of anonymity, I won't, I won't reveal the, the school. Uh, in in time, y'all will eventually know my alma mater and, and my my rooting interests. But at one of my school's basketball games last year, um, a bird like flew by me in the arena. Nice. And I, 
<laughs> like I and I was kind of I was towards like the the top of of the lower level, but um I had never seen that. I mean, I've been going to games my entire life, had never seen that happen. And yeah, it reminded me. It made me think of the Monty Ginobili bat thing too. The funny so thing was is, but, about the, the the dog was he was like super excited. He was wagging his tail, and the opposing team got hit. <laughs> the guy had his back to the dog, so when he turned around, he jumped a mile because I think he was like, "What the heck?" You know. But definitely a funny moment. Perfectly college yeah, basketball I mean, too. Well, I mean, like, I I have so many questions about this. Like one, like how how did the dog get in? Why was the dog in the arena? How, how did the dog get off? You know, like its leash or whatever, and get on the court? Like like there's what like was the dog sitting with somebody who was like courtside or close enough to it? Like you know what or was this dog? You know, like did it have to run around a lot of the entire arena to to get down to the court? Like there are there's so many things that I, that, I, that I wonder about uh, about this dog. <laughs> Well, Casty, I think that's going to put a pin in it, put a little bow on yet another great episode of the Pipeline Award-winning podcast. Fans, if you haven't subscribed already, please do. Remember, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your lovers, your parents. I don't care who you tell. Just tell everyone to subscribe. We want to keep this thing growing. we got some really big plans, especially in the new year. And like I said, we're going to try and squeeze episodes in throughout the holidays might not be quite as regular but it's okay you know we're all having a festive time just make sure you'll be safe and take care of everybody but i think that's gonna do it we'll see you guys next time on the pipeline award-winning podcast